Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 13 edition of the Pro Football Focus Show here at Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, uh, joined by my man Ian Harditz uh, from over there at PFF. Uh, Ian, it's a uh, fun week ahead. Uh, we've got quarterbacks we actually want to play. They're all playing on the main slate for the most part outside of Josh Allen. Uh, tough choices in DFS. We always got some nice bets, props, lots of stuff for us to talk about this week. Absolutely. Slowly but surely, we managed to drag some of those win-loss records on the bets back to a respectable measure, Brit. So got some more good ones on the way. And week 13 is here, man. This is going to be, what, 13, 14, about five more true main slates before we get into, you know, DFS Christmas and week 18. So let's get after it, man. Uh, all right. As always on this show to start, we like to go over to Ian's article at Pro Football Focus. Uh, you can check it out over there with a uh, paid subscription, but he gives it away on Twitter and on this show for free. Uh, let's talk about explosive play rate. Some offenses may be able to get some chunk plays. You can look at it. Hey, do I want to take the longest yard prop? I know you got one of those a little bit later. Yeah. Um, do you want to maybe take the under on one of those too? How does it work for DFS? Lots of angles we can we can use it for uh, what do we got this week? Yeah. In terms of passing offenses, really looking uh, that they're set up for success. And as always the goal here, you know, checking out for the first time, just trying to get a one way street to talk about the matchups that we already do anyway, but instead of being like, okay, offense ranks X and this defense ranks Y I've just already combined those. So with that said, chiefs, Packers, Falcons, Lions, and Texans actually are popping off as a passing offense set up for success. I wouldn't put a ton of stock in the Texans because they have obviously made the quarterback switch to Kyle Allen. I think it's more so an indictment on this Browns defense where, hey, maybe that is something we can get behind. I know Nico Collins is certainly affordable enough there, but the big game stack potential possibilities, Jaguars, Lions possibly, and honestly, Falcons, Steelers might be going a little bit under the radar, Britt. I know we can pay up for quarterback, but when you see some Someone down there like Kenny Pickett, if you want to get that gross, man, this is probably the matchup to do so. And I think there could be some reasonable bring back options on the Falcons. God forbid one of these days Arthur Smith has to open up the, you know, passing por por portion of his playbook just a little bit. I still hold on hope that Drake London could 
in fact, be a good NFL player. And then the Packers side of things, man, like having Aaron Rodgers back in this picture, this Bears defense, man, over the past five, six weeks, like they were never that good to start the season. But then when they had the whole fire fire, fire sale before the trade deadline, you lose Roquan Smith, you lose uh, Robert Quinn from the equation, and they have just been horrendous without the offense now to back it up. So guys like Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, I think could also be solid tournament options in addition to obviously Christian Watson, who just can't go a day without scoring touchdowns. Yeah, Watson, I know uh, it's not an official play, but on prize picks, uh, because the sports books haven't released the line yet, he is sitting at 47 and a half over on prize picks, if you Ooh. guys want to go get that. So go uh, go check that out. Definitely put a lot of dollars on that one uh, for the over. Uh, all right, let's look at pace. We always like games with a lot of snaps. What are we looking at this week? A couple, this Casey at Cincinnati looking pretty good. We got Pat Mahomes going over Four, five hundred, six, seven hundred yards. How many is he going to throw for this week? Uh, lots of snaps that might help out uh, Cincinnati and DFS. We got basically right before the show. Joe Mixon. He's not day to day. He's twelve hour to twelve hour was the the latest quote oh I heard on gosh. him. So is he actually going to play? Is it going to be P Ryan? We'll have to figure that out uh, come Sunday. Uh, that game looks pretty juicy, at least from a pace perspective. What, what is this with the concussions, man? Shouldn't this be the most like cut and dry injury? I thought we figured this out with the protocol after the whole Tua thing. The fact I that I think the NFL all... is fi- they're finally, it's, you know, they've been saying they've really been behind it for a while. I think this is the year where the teams are fine, especially after Tua, so high profile, that they're actually taking it a little bit more seriously. I mean, it's a brain injury, right? You don't want to mess around. Well, that's my point. And then Adam Schefter comes out on like Monday or Tuesday and says that, you know, sources are saying that Mixon should be good to go throughout this week. It's just been, yeah, it's just been confusing kind of with this specific instance, uh, how they've gone about it. So we'll see what happens there. But either way, man, Chiefs, Bengals, again, to your point, looking like that shootout, and we're seeing that reflected in the game total. So if Mixon is sidelined, I mean, we saw them just give Samaj Piran that same exact role last week. I know a lot of us, including me for stretches, have been excited about the theoretical upside of Chris Evans, but they love Samaje Piran, and to be fair, man, he's gone out there and performed as good as Joe Mixon with his sample. I know there's something to be said about having the larger volume and still performing with the efficiency that Mixon has been able to, especially in the receiving game. But Piran in this game environment, man, he would be someone you have to look long and hard at in cash games. Elsewhere, though, we are seeing uh, Jets, Vikings, and Jaguars and Lions again popping up a little bit. That Jets, Vikings game will be interesting, Britt, because you know. I spend most of my week stuck in the season long redraft side of, uh, you know, fantasy and then get to talk DFS with you and the lovely Rotor Grinders fam every Friday and everything. But looking at the Jets, Mike White and Zonovan Knight have been all the rage, you know, in terms of waiver wire and redraft and, you know, the rest of the season outlooks and really not seeing too high projected ownership for either guy right now. So assuming Michael Carter is going to be out of it, we're looking at 15 plus touches for Bam Zonovan Knight. And with Mike White out here, I wouldn't be surprised if we are seeing them forced to throw the ball more because they are on the road against a Vikings team that I wouldn't be surprised can build a lead. And if you take away the Zach Wilson games this year, three Flacco starts and one Mike White, the Jets are the third most pass happy offense in the NFL. So Garrett Wilson, you know, should be pretty chalky with his salary still depressed, but don't sleep on guys like Tyler Conklin, maybe even Corey Davis getting going in the spot as well. I'm just looking players we might want to use in DFS this week from a slow game. Maybe Kenneth Walker, but I don't know. That sort of plays into him. Mm. We've got this Miami at San Francisco game. Just everybody that we want to use is relatively expensive. Is there any any games you might want to avoid this week? 
I think it's pretty cut and dry. I will say the Browns Texans game, like I, I want to wait a week before I get too, you know, confident about really trusting anyone from this. It's just such a weird game in terms of some of the emotions that could be flying. Who knows what Watson's head, you know, where his head is at right now. So honestly, you know, I'll get to my game totals here in a second, but Houston's so bad that I don't think they can move the ball on anyone. And that does unfortunately include a pretty terrible Browns defense. And I'm just not expecting to get the most clear, you know, clean cut Browns offense that we could see the rest of the season. So yeah, more than anything, I don't worry about the running backs as much with the low pace, particularly guys like Kenneth Walker, uh, Aaron Jones up there with the Packers, even a David Montgomery. It's more so those are the games that probably not trying to, you know, get the multiple pass catchers and a bring back on. All right, let's look at pressure rate quarterbacks in a clean pocket. Generally good uh, for DFS and sports betting props. Uh, what are some quarterbacks that won't be under much pressure this week in theory? Yeah, a lot of blue in that Steelers and Falcons game on both sidelines. So if we are looking for a matchup, you know, other than Chiefs, Bengals, or Jaguars, Lions to maybe get behind that sneaky shootout of source, I do think it could be the Steelers and Falcons. I know it's not pretty, but we have seen, even if temporarily, both of these offenses have at least, you know, show some signs of being able to break 30 points. And I do think there's talent out there on the field. You just got to hope that Mariota and Pickett are going to be able to get it done. So cash games, no, I get the hesitation there. But in tournament, lands again that Steelers Falcons game is pretty interesting to me otherwise uh you know seeing Rodgers and I mentioned Pickett already Trevor Lawrence set up pretty well from clean pockets I I would say with that Green Bay game too I mean other than Christian Watson don't sleep on guys like Alan Lazard and especially Aaron Jones who has eight touchdowns in his last six games against the Bears on the other side of things Ryan Tannehill Kirk Cousins Taylor Heineke and you know in the late game Matt Ryan really looking rough out there at quarterback so this is one of those things where if you do want to really try to take the most away from pressure i think it can be with those defenses and special teams sacks just end up being much less stable year to year than something like pressure obviously have far more instances that we can feel better about that bigger sample size i don't want to see ryan Tannehill under pressure ian we'll, we'll see that in a minute i'm <laughs> i'm getting a little gross with a prop of his but we'll uh -oh. talk about that in just a little bit uh let's get to the running back yards before contact uh, I'm, I'm, it looks like Travis Etienne might be a good play this week. Yeah, looking that way. Hopefully he has the workload to get there. But hopefully, you know, that kind of question is going to keep that ownership down. It doesn't really look like that's going to be the way to go, though. So, I mean, I did. I think I saw something saying if Etienne is active, Daryl Henderson won't be. Um, is that – am I making that up, Britt? I thought I saw I have not. I did not see that cross, but I would trust if you think you saw it, I would assume that that's the truth, but I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, I did see it. Okay, uh, from Underdog NFL. Love their Twitter account. Give them a follow if you guys don't already but daryl henderson is expecting to be inactive if etn plays so that's great news man i feel a lot better about this already for etn's sake because if henderson was active that's when we just have to start worrying about not a takeover or anything like that i mean we see this with melvin gordon signing with the chiefs everyone gets so excited in the moment whenever one of these veteran running backs goes anywhere but hey with etn i mean before he got hurt, we're talking about an 80, even upwards of 90% snap back, true three down workhorse. So even taking that down a little bit could hurt things. No, yeah, I think Travis Etienne set up brilliantly in this spot. Lesser extent, David Montgomery. I mean, the Packers run defense hasn't been good all season long. I would feel better about Montgomery if we can at least get Fields out there. Albeit, it's tough to trust Fields, man, coming back in this spot. I just don't know how confidently they're going to run him. I mean, Britt, you nailed his rushing over there for a good four or five weeks in a mm -hmm. row. And one one of your big explanations there was always the 
the change in offensive philosophy to more designed runs for fields. And I just don't think we're going to see them dialing up that main design runs with the guy when he's playing through a painful, you know, left dislocated shoulder. So I know, you know, adrenaline can take over. He's in the game. He's probably going to scramble just to scramble because the other option is getting sacked by, you know, big, scary <laughs> defensive linemen, which I'm sure doesn't feel great either. So I would feel at least better about David Montgomery if Fields is out there because Lord knows, I mean, a banged up version of Trevor Simeon isn't going to be producing too many highs. Final note would be that this Ravens team is popping a little bit here. Gus Edwards as a home favorite, no J.K. Dobbins for this week. And we have seen the Ravens keep three running backs involved, and that persisted with Gus coming back into the picture last week. But in the two full games we've seen Gus play, even though Hill and Drake have had some extra snaps, it's really been concentrated on Gus in terms of the usage. So, look, Ravens running backs, they don't catch passes, unfortunately. So maybe a little bit better play on FanDuel where we don't have the full point per reception going on there. But Gus Edwards, man, similar to last week, and it didn't exactly smash, but the thought with Deontay Foreman against the Broncos was, I don't want to mess around too much with that secondary and Let's face it, the Ravens, I mean, if Lamar's not making a bad pass, they're dropping touchdowns like they did three separate times last week. So I'm not all that optimistic about Lamar in the passing game. Wouldn't be surprised, though, if Gus Bus and accordingly stacking them with that Ravens defense could have a big day. And Josh Jacobs looks to be in a pretty good spot. Uh, the league winner, league league MVP of fantasy this year, Josh Jacobs. Not too many people would have thought that going into the season. Man, just the, yeah, you, you're not wrong there, man. I was certainly one of those guys did not think he should be going as high as uh, ultimately he should have been. Just keep an eye on that calf, you know, going on. It is something that they said earlier in the week. They were going to manage with hopes of him playing, but it did, uh, you know, come up into the picture late last Friday. And before he ripped off that 80-yard overtime house call, he actually got ruled questionable to return with the calf injury in the game. So clearly didn't seem the Look, impact. Looked fine on the run there at the end of the game. Looked fine on the run there. <laughs> so again, if he is good to go for Sunday, I mean, it's good we had that game under our belt because we've seen him play through that, play through the illness earlier this year where, you know, we were wondering what was going on and who was going to be the backup there. So the fact that we have seen the Raiders be willing to have a less than 100% Josh Jacobs go into the game, but still get his 100% workload. Good news here for, uh, you know, him trusting him and what, of course, is a cake matchup. This this Chargers defense, man, I sent out the tweet earlier this week. Since they lost Joey Bosa in week three, they have been getting flamed by one backfield after another. So Josh Jacobs, man, is still only, what, 7,900 on DraftKings. Probably hasn't been adjusted as high as it needs to be. Um, all right, let's go to combined yards for dropback. There are a lot of good quarterbacks, uh, is evidenced by the amount of blue on the sheet here. Anything out of the ordinary, you know, we've got Mahomes, we've got Burrow, we've got Tua, you can throw Geno Smith. Uh, Jimmy G looks like he's doing pretty good, at least in a yards per drop back. I sort of like Iuka a little bit from a GPP perspective. Um, Goff is popping on. A, I know the Blitz likes Goff. I'm probably not going to play him as a cash game, but he's popping in some projections right now. Uh, any, anything else really standing out to you? I think golf makes sense. I mean, we look, we saw this Lions offense be the NFL's number one ranked scoring offense after four weeks of the season because they had a lot better weapons to work with during that stretch. Injuries have really, you know, hurt them throughout the season. But now Charts back, Josh Reynolds is back. Jamison Williams could be making his NFL debut. So I'm not so sure that all those guys are going to be playing enough or have enough concentrated volume to be great assets in their own right. But I do think all this helps golf an awful lot. Him and the Sun God stack. Just constant money to be made out of that one. The other point I would make is Miami might be so damn good on offense that they're just able to overcome what's been a really good 49ers defense. So 
We'll find out. I mean, over these last four weeks where Tua just looked like an absolute world beater, it has come against, you know, one pretty terrible defense after another. I mean, geez, you could not have scripted the better layups for him there. I'm just saying, man, we've talked every single week about the Tua, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle stack, and it's done a lot of good things for us. And that projected ownership on that stack, really not where we're used to seeing it. So Miami and San Fran, I know the pace isn't great. And Nick Bosa and company have a hell of a defense over there in San Francisco. But Tua in his passing game might just be good enough to overcome and if you do look at where they've been the best this year it's been against heavy zone coverage and there aren't many defenses running more cover three than the 49ers this year so two on company finally it's not really a chalky a stack to go after don't hate that call all right let's go to epa per play any underdogs standing out this week we can maybe place some uh, real american dollars on just the Jets, man, uh, plus three, and they actually have a pretty big relative advantage there. So we'll see how much the Mike White era continues to uh, keep on keeping on. But I do think it's at least an offense of playmakers everywhere. And even though I am probably going to be going against that, you know, we'll see a little bit more here once I get to my against the spread picks. Uh, you know, it does give me a slight caution to be fading, uh, you know, the dog here in terms of uh, EPA per play. All right, that's going to do it for the wrap-up of Ian's article. You can always check out his Twitter stream at Ian Harditz. Uh, you can uh, I heart it. I heart it. I forgot about that. You're good. You're good. Uh, all right. Uh, you can always check out his along with uh, a bunch of other people's stuff over at Pro Football Focus. Uh, if you want to get grades, if you want to know how slot cornerbacks, I'm going to talk about a matchup for that for one of my props. Do and you get grades and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, you can get all that over at PFF too. Really helps out for props, DFS, sports betting, all that sort of fun stuff. Uh, all right. Let's jump into. Uh, a couple, actually, let's talk a couple spreads, you know, uh, whatever, under overs, however you want to do it. Uh, if people want to get larger dollars, right? They don't let you get, you know, thousands and thousands. Now, I'm not betting thousands on a prop, maybe a hundred or 200, um, but you can't really get that down on a prop, but you can get basically whatever you want down on some under or overs uh, and things like that. So I've got two, I'm going to start with a three team money, nine money line parlay. Maybe so it worked for me last week, right? I had the weird nine point teaser and that all worked out really well. So I'm sort of going back to the well. This is pretty simple. The Cowboys aren't losing to the Colts. Seattle is definitely not losing to John Wolford and the Rams and the, the Ravens are, can they lose to the Broncos? This is the one I'm the most worried about because they, they, they just got really unlucky in the touchdown department last week. They kicked a lot of field goals and that sort of burned me on uh, a couple of bets I had on the Ravens. Um, but anytime it's Russell Wilson time, you know, you can take the opposing team and feel pretty good about it. So I'm on that. The Ravens, Seattle and Cowboys is a money line parlay. Uh, I was throwing it together on DraftKings. Uh, I bet it myself before the show. It's at minus 108, so you get that close to an even money bet. Works good for me. I'll take that over any of the spreads. I know you like Seattle straight up at minus seven. Uh, I might bet that too as long as the line stays on that one. And the other one I got is the Eagles and Titans. We're going with the first half. So the Eagles, they just score all their points in the first half. Sometimes they even score them in the second half. And the Titans also do the same thing, uh, strangely enough. So this is at 20 and a half on DraftKings at minus 115. The Eagles can get there themselves. Some games now it might not be against the Texans, um, but I, I, I like the, the Titans to, to be able to put up some points as well against the Eagles, especially we saw them being a little bit weak against Green Bay last week. Uh, so I'm looking at the Eagles-Titans first half over 20 and a half points. Uh, love that uh, specifically because, I mean, the Eagles – Eagles could get there themselves. You mix in the Titans and this newfound passing offense, which I'll talk about in a little bit. 
Uh, I, I think this game looks pretty good, at least from the first half perspective, as the over. Uh, so those are the two I got. Uh, what are you looking at this week? Mentioned before, I do like the Seahawks minus seven now. I mean, it's not just that we actually have to now see John Wolford under center, who, yeah, set the bar low for that. Uh, Matthew Stafford did actually clear the protocol, but they're holding him out because they're done with this season. Yeah. That's why Allen Robinson isn't playing anymore. That's why Cooper Cup I think these is guys not- is like a Robinson, Don, like Cooper Cup will probably play Stafford. Are these guys going to retire, leave the Rams? What are, they, are they all going to just like leave at the same time? Well, we'll see about when they leave. I can tell you what, they're not coming back this season, though. So for at least week 13, I'm going to be betting against them. Aaron freaking Donald was out of the picture. Like, we saw how big of an impact he could have last week, even helping keep that game as close as it was. But you take them, you tell me that Jalen Ramsey is like the only crown jewel left on this roster that was already basically, you know, just betting that their top five, top 10 players could overcompensate for, you know, the lack of kind of a middle roster spot. And oh, hey, guess what? Jalen Ramsey has been a shell of himself for most of the season. He's allowed the second most receiving touchdowns in his direct coverage so far. So the Seahawks minus seven. I just think this should be a 10 point line. We're still giving far too much respect to the Rams based on what happened last year, not what's about to happen on Sunday. So give me Seattle minus seven. Quickly, I do like the Chiefs minus two. Just anytime Mahomes is under a three-point favorite, I think that's worth throwing a little bit of money at. I know Burrow and them have had their number, but I do still believe that the Chiefs and Bills are in a slightly higher tier than what the Bengals and anyone else in the AFC is, including the Dolphins as well. So under three points, I will be taking the Chiefs. I also do like the Vikings minus three. Talked about this earlier where the EPA stuff has me a little bit worried, but I do think a lot of that uh, could be more so due to, hey, just the fact that it is still inconsistent with Mike White and what we're going to get out there. I know he looked good last week, and I'm not against you know backing him up in some tournament lineups, but this is still a guy where if you take the last two seasons combined, he has had some highs, but there have been some lows. In terms of actual turnover-worthy play rate, he's had the second-highest mark in the NFL over the past two seasons, even ahead of Mr. Zach Wilson himself. So Mike White, it has gone good you know, last week, but I'm not so sure against a Vikings team that, yeah, a little bit overrated based on their record. That's fine. We saw what happened to the Cowboys. We also saw them take it to the Buffalo Bills and Patriots, you know, in two of those last three weeks. And the offense looked awfully good doing it. So I will be taking the Vikings minus three. Like, look, if, if we're trying to do the just home field, usually worth three points, do we really think the Jets and Vikings are like equal teams? That's where I kind of draw a line here. All due respect to Sauce Gardner and that awesome defense. But if there is going to be a group of wide receivers that can kind of actually have success success with what the Jets do best and that is stopping the pa- the passing game. I do think it could be Justin Jefferson and these guys. Again, as bad as that Cowboys loss was, the Bills and Patriots have two very good secondaries in their own right, and the fact that we were able to see Cousins and Jefferson put together some big performances there, I am happy with the Vikings minus three. And finally, I got Browns, Texans under 47 and a half. Rusty Watson, Rusty, Rusty Watson. I'm not sure how the offense is going to be meshing in the first game with them. I know the Texans defense sucks, especially against the run. But hey, if that's the case, I'm not so sure giving the ball to Nick Chubb 30 times. Like, yeah, he might go for 200 plus and score a couple touchdowns, but I don't know if they're going to be able to score, you know, 40 points doing that. Meanwhile, I don't think the Kyle Allen led Houston Texans are capable of scoring, you know, more than 17 points against just about anybody. So Browns, Texans under 47 and a half Vikings minus three chiefs minus two Seahawks minus seven. We just clawed our way back over 500 Brit. Let's continue to uh, distance this sucker.
And Chiefs are, I just looked uh, on scores and odds, uh, one minus one and a half on DraftKings. Everywhere else, there it's, you go. it's two. So if you want the one and a half, it's minus 115 on DraftKings. Uh, all right, let's get to some player props. I'll start. Uh, let's go to Ryan Tannehill here. He's at two, 202 and a half. I think this is way too low given what's been happening with the Titans offense over the past couple of weeks. So uh, we saw in week 10, Derrick Henry popped up with a foot injury, right? And since then, he's got... 2.78 yards per carry. Uh, in those three weeks, Ryan Tannehill, 293 yards passing is his average per game in his last three games here. And this line is at 202.5 against the Eagles. And I know the Eagles' defense is good. I know on your stuff it says Ryan Tannehill is going to get chased around the pocket all day long. But I don't know. I think Traylon Burks has provided an actual viable wide receiver. The ghost of Robert Woods is still out there. Austin, Derrick Henry could break a 70-yard you know, not a bomb, but uh, a dink and dunk. And he just runs over like four people and gets up to speed for a, a big chunk play at any given point. There's a lot of ways for Tannehill to do this. If they get up, they're going to sort of abandon the run game in the second half, in my opinion. And we know the Eagles like to put on points in the first half. That's why I like that first half over. So there's a lot of ways for me to think Tannehill can get over this 202 recent form, uh, some trends from the Eagles. Um, and we've seen the Eagles defense maybe not be so good. Uh, I know they got ran all over, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Traylon Burks is good. Maybe Austin Hooper can catch a couple of passes. Maybe there's enough viable targets out there for Tannehill to do it. And I don't, I don't know if it's Derrick Henry is injured, but lately it just had, I know they got their starting center back, I believe today um, off the concussion protocol. So maybe that'll help out Derrick Henry, but uh, I don't know. Recent form from Henry, not good. Recent form of Tannehill has been great. I think this line is just a little bit too low. Uh, the other guy I like, uh, I dug into a lot of the advanced statistics on PFF this week, and that's Christian Kirk over 62 and a half. Uh, I think you can play Zay Jones, especially in DFS. I think his line's around 50. Uh, Jones get a lot of targets. Uh, Kirk had nine targets last week. His overall stat line wasn't that great, um, but uh, he's in a dome this week. But the best thing is he's the slot receiver against the Lions. Uh, per PFF, uh, Kirk plays 51% of his snaps in the slot, and he's the second most receiving yards from the slot uh, in the league. And uh, the best thing about this is the Lions, uh, three main slot cornerbacks, uh, NFL passer rating when thrown to out of the slot. Uh, they're allowing a 152.1, 133.6, and 127.9. Uh, to put that into perspective, Tua, uh, the best quarterback in the league so far, his passer rating is 115.7. Uh, so all three other guys that man the slot are just getting roasted better than Tua throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell on every single play. So uh, love Kirk to have a nice bounce back week at 62 and a half. Love him in DFS. Uh, I think he's going to be reasonably popular, as will Jay Zay Jones. Um, that are two of my uh, favorite props of the week, Ryan Tannehill and Christian Kirk. Uh, what are you looking at this weekend? I like the Kirk call. And I mean, ever since Doug Peterson, it was like week six or so, he said that Kirk needs to be getting, you know, nine, 10 targets per game. He's really followed through on that. So I know last week, Zay Jones was the one having, you know, more success overall in the box score, but Kirk stayed involved in that as well. So good call there. And even though Jeffrey Okuda is expected to be back this week, he's more on the outside. So should have plenty of instances to worry about that. And on Tannehill, I mean, yeah, 202.5. It's, I was going to, you know, if it was even 220 or something, I'd probably be like, yeah, I, I don't know, it. bro. It, but the 220 no the 202 is just too low 
That is just too low. So I am with you on that one. I have three here. I'm taking Kenneth Walker over 14 and a half yards as his longest rush. So getting a little bit quirky here, but this dude, like we've seen it over the past couple of weeks when he hasn't been having as much success, very much, you know, has a little bit of that Saquon Barkley, younger career Saquon Barkley in him where, you know, you're at 10 carries for 15 yards. You're wondering what's going on. And then you see him running 80 yards to the house. So over his last seven games, his longest run in these games, 69, 34, 74, 16, 15, only five against the Bucs. And then last week, he even had a 14-yarder in a game where I believe he only had like 26 rushing yards on 14 carries. So one of PFF's back-end metrics is breakaway rate, which basically has what percentage of a player's rushing yards comes from explosive runs over 10 yards. And he is actually the fourth highest breakaway rate in the NFL. So it's more of a stylistic stat. Like, I'm not saying that as like, oh, this is like the best way to play running back. But now we have him going against the defense without Aaron freaking Donald. Like, I feel like this doesn't need to be overly hard, Britt. We have one of the best young running backs in the game that we've seen move. You convinced me. It's, it's going on right now. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So I, I convinced Britt. Hopefully I'll convince you, you all else out there. So over 14 and a half yard longest rush for Kenneth Walker. Also have George Pickens over 46 and a half receiving yards. It's not a one of these things where, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were able to lock on to the Dalton Schultz line, similar with Terry McLaurin, which didn't hit. But the one props that I think you can get an edge in are when it's very clear that the line was being set based on their season-long performance, and then now there's been a shift in what to expect moving forward. So Pickens on the season has just averaged 46.6 receiving yards per game. That's why his prop is at 46 and a half. But since the buy, since they've actually been able to integrate him as the clear-cut, either number one or number two, whatever you want to call him and Deontay, but no Chase Claypool involved, he's gone for 32, 83, and then 57 yards. So, yeah. Yeah, two out of three, not the best thing in the world, but now against this Falcons secondary, third worst unit in terms of PPR points per game allowed to opposing receivers and explosive pass play rate, yards per attempt, passer rating, any other more traditional real-life football stat you want to look at, they've been very bad as well. So George Pickens, man, we've seen the crazy catches one week after another. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he can get past this total on only one or two catches out there, but man, dude is way too talented to go too much longer without a true blow-up game. I think that could be on the table for for this Sunday. And finally, Brandon Ayuk over 55 and a half receiving yards. I would try. I'm kind of surprised this one is still up, to be honest with you, because I know Debo Samuel got downgraded yesterday and was not able to practice. Debo is playing really banged up out there and just looking at the situation. It hasn't even mattered when he has been healthy over here over the past month and a half because Ayuk has cleared that 55 and a half receiving yard mark in six of his last seven games. So we have a guy that's already going out and balling against the Miami secondary that really hasn't been good. Maybe they put Xavier Howard on Ayuk, but hey, that's a matchup. I think Ayuk can win anyway. We've seen Howard have his fair share of troubles, notwithstanding a very good performance against Amari Cooper in his last shadow matchup. So we have Debo, who was limited on Wednesday, going to a DMP on Thursday in a potential shootout. I mean, these are two, if there is going to be a team that could potentially get out in front of San Francisco and force them to throw the ball, it's a week where we're not going to have We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elijah Mitchell, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball more against a secondary that I don't think is particularly good. And Brandon Nike potentially getting more volume if Debo Samuel is either injured or banged up. Sign me up over 55 and a half receiving yards. All right. So I bet all of those, uh, I bet it does look like uh, the Shanahan quote is Debo Samuel has to do something in practice today. And we don't know if he's practiced yet, but we got to keep our eye on that. Usually I these pre- lines aren't up when like we have something going like this. Yeah. I have previously bet Ayuk uh, four and a half receptions. That was that, that was even money. So I, I bet that one earlier in the week. Nice. And I bet Pickens, I bet Walker, you convinced me. Let's go. Uh, so we're, we're on all of those, uh, Ian. If uh, the bill will be sent to you, my man, if those do not come <laughs> through, by the way. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray that they do uh, happen to come through. Uh, so that's uh, where we're at from the sports bettings. Uh, if you ever want to get access to, hey, which site, you know, I was going through it uh, on the George Pickens one, right? Some of the books were minus 125, some of them were minus 115, MGM had it at minus 110. You can get all that sort of stuff for free on our app, Scores and Odds, or it's a, there's a website for it too. And then if you want premium picks, uh, I do have both of the Kirk and Tannehill on there as premium picks, along with a couple other ones. I think I put the I had a teaser up. Uh, I didn't put the money line parlay up. Maybe I'll do that too. Uh, but not just for me, but from everyone else in the Roto Grinders community. If you want access to some of uh, some other smart people's uh, sports bets. Uh, all right, let's go to DFS. Uh, we'll start at quarterback this week. We generally like to talk DraftKings. Keep it uh, at least one site specific. Uh, there are a lot of quarterbacks uh, available this week. You've got some really high end ones with Patrick Mahomes who is, uh, I don't want to say he's guaranteed to get the 300-yard bonus, but he's pretty much guaranteed to get the 300-yard <laughs> bonus this week, along with a, a bunch of touchdowns. There's Joe Burrow in the mid-tier. If you want to can save a couple of bucks and play the opposite side of that, with Jamar Chase probably coming back. And if Mixon does sit, maybe by force, they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more to P. Ryan Chase, uh, Boyd, to Higgins, right? They've got a, a plethora of weapons in there in case he can't stop anybody through the air. If you want to go cheap, a great call, by the way, on you last week on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think it was 5,600. He's still just 5,900. He's in a dome against Detroit. Doesn't get much better than that. I know you talked Kenny Pickett at 5,200 if you want to go absolute dumpster diving. But I'm pretty much locked into one of Mahomes, Burrow, or Trevor Lawrence. And um, I haven't finalized the lineup yet because there's news and all that. But it will. this is going to be my last position and it's going to be tilted towards whichever one of these guys' salaries I have left because I think all yeah. three are in pretty good spots. No, I, I think he described the range pretty well, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be probably the guy I think I settle on just having this potential shootout here against the Lions team that we've seen all year long. Like, they're capable of putting up points, but then when you have the league's 32nd-ranked scoring defense on you know the other side of the ball, uh, it's going to give their opponent plenty of chances as well so t-law is probably going to be my guy pick it someone i'm looking at more so in cash and also jared goff if you can't get up to my homes like yeah obviously we'll take that but even that 8300 uh you know 
5,900 difference we're seeing to him from Trevor Lawrence. Just a bit too steep for me to pay all the way up there. I would say Joe Burrow, man, like he has had a lot of booms that I don't think we necessarily give him enough credit for because he doesn't run the ball as much as we would hope for. But man, Five of his last 13 starts, he has been the overall QB1 here. And one of those included that game last year against the Chiefs, where Chiefs were able to get out in front in a hurry, but then Jamar Chase and company went bonkers. So we do see a lot of times these wide receivers come back from injury and people are trying to wait a week. You know, we'll see if he's out there, but reading exactly what Jamar Chase was talking about with this injury, man, I'm actually more confident than most that if he is out there, he is going to be at 100% because it sounds like that unless he's unless he is at 100%, he's not even going to be practicing, let alone playing out there. So Burrow and Jamar Chase, you know, hey, it's not exactly, you know, if I was saying this five weeks ago, you'd be like, yeah, no freaking shit, Ian. That's a great, you know, stack to have out there. We could actually get that at a little bit reduced ownership here because of the injury factor. In terms of a GPP, I mentioned little bit about picket already having the potential to go to pickens or uh, dare i say deontay johnson who at some point you would like to think can't find his way into the end zone but otherwise it's going to be mike white and his friends i mean mike white sitting there uh not all that expensive where is he actually yeah 5400 so certainly affordable enough and yeah we've seen some lows and i am picking the vikings but vikings man they scored 30 plus points i am a little bit more confident than most that mike white can't keep pace so tyler conklin's a very cheap tight end who is a tight end 11 overall on the season with multiple top three finishes i I think he's going to have a nice little stretch run. And while Garrett, I, I don't think Garrett Wilson is going to be so egregiously chalky that you can't like go with, you know, a Wilson, Mike White stack in tournaments. But if you did want to get off that, Corey Davis is going to be their number two wide receiver in terms of the routes run. So I know Elijah Moore scored last week, but if you really wanted to, you know, try to pick that one guy in the Millie lineup that you're like, how the hell did they get that guy in there? I wouldn't be shocked if at just 4,100, Corey Davis gives you some nice little run there in, in tournaments. Yeah, Vikings, I think they're allowing the most passing yards per game in the league. So you can't go wrong playing Mike White and his friends there. Uh, I want to throw, if this is real, Patrick Mahomes we have currently at sub-5% ownership. And I know it's because, like, Travis Kelsey is expensive and you don't just want to play him alone. But that's an interesting way to get different in tournaments this week is play uh, Patrick Mahomes, that sounds like a pretty good way to score some fantasy points. This week. And that'd be a good way, too, to like differentiate your lineup at the, t- at the top with that, but then have a... Uh, under four. Lamar Jackson's under three. Uh, <sighs> like These are all like very interesting dual quarterbacks. There, there's, there's a lot of good plays this week, but it looks now it looks like Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow are the top three highest-owned quarterbacks right now. And I know you're a little bit down on Watson. We'll have to see how, how that plays out. Um, but that's where the ownership shakes up right now. What would you think of in a tournament if you if you can get all these ultra elite quarterbacks that no ownership and their stacking partners are also low on? That sounds like a pretty good way to play this week. Yeah, the only ones I'd be a little bit concerned about, like Hertz and Jackson are facing legitimately really good defenses. I mean, Titans, what they can do against the run. They I think some of their passing, you know, defense metrics are skewed just because teams can't run against them. Yeah, we have seen the Bills and Chiefs put up big numbers through the air, but who don't the Bills and Chiefs put up big uh, numbers through the air against? So my only concern with Jalen Hurts and this Eagles team is they've been so successful running the football that they really haven't had to have Hurts, you know, keep his foot on the gas as a passer. If there is good be a team out there that can maybe force them to be more one-dimensional 
might just be the Titans. And then with Lamar Jackson, man, this dude had 12 touchdowns in weeks one through three. He only has eight total since. So it's one of those things. Eight last week if the guys caught the damn touchdown. I know, I know. (laughs) That's part of it, man. It's unfortunate. But, you know, this is already a wide receiver room that we thought was bad. Like, okay, we had some high hopes for Rashad Bateman, but I don't think anyone was ranking them, you know, inside the even an above average wide receiver room before a season. And then those guys get hurt. And it's like, yeah, I'm not exactly surprised. If you do want to go that well, though, Britt, we talk about those missed touchdowns. Demarcus Robinson dropped a 12-yarder, and he had a 50-yard touchdown the second play of the game, sail over his head. A week before that, nine catches for 128 yards. I do think in this offense, Demarcus Robinson is supposed to be kind of their Bateman replacement there. And I think if he would have had this big game last week, which the opportunities were there to have another big game, he'd be a lot chalkier. All right, let's go to the running backs and uh, let's let's hash out a guy who's going to be reasonably popular, I think, to see if we could play him because he's had a couple of bad weeks in a row. Damian Pierce is 5,900. What are we doing with him this week? Because we're looking at, you know, Travis Etienne, 6,400. It looks like he's going to be in getting the full workload with, with Henderson out. I would expect that basically like he was against Detroit. We've got David Montgomery against Green Bay. I don't, never really want to play David Montgomery, but if there was a week to play him, it might be this one. Uh, Josh Jacobs is in there, and Pierce is 5,900, and Cleveland can't stop anybody on the ground, but this dude has just been so bad, mainly because the Texans, have they're just their defense is so atrocious that they don't even, they can't run the ball the entire second half because they're just forced to throw the ball the entire time. How are you handling him at this reasonably low price tag now? I mean, he's been bad because, I again, defense and I think just the offense. I mean, only the Titans have actually averaged fewer yards before contact per carry this season. Like, Damian Pierce legit has to be Derrick Henry levels of good in order to, you know, make up for what's been, again, just a brutal offensive environment. So, get this, man. 16 rushing yards on his last 15 carries. Negative six rushing yards before contact on those attempts. So, they've just been overwhelmed, you know, against the Commanders and the Dolphins. And yeah, I do think the Browns are worse, but I just really struggle to to fully get behind Damian Pierce. This Texas offense hasn't scored more than 24 points in a game this season. Pierce accordingly has one touchdown in his last 24 quarters of action. So definitely not in cash. I can't get behind it. I'd be more willing to get with Dave Montgomery as long as Justin Fields is back in the picture. I think Montgomery gets too much flack, man. He is good at breaking tackles and no, he doesn't have the 80 yard explosive long speed, but I don't know, man. Najee Harris doesn't exactly have it either. Jamal Williams doesn't. There's plenty of guys that don't have that. We just kind of hold it against Dave Montgomery more than most. So I would say if I can get up to Jacobs and cash, that's ideal, obviously. And still just 7,900. Yeah, I mean, you would think he'd be up there with those big four, big five in the 8K range by this point. But he's not, so we'll take advantage of it. I'm with you on ETN, especially knowing that Daryl Henderson isn't expected to be active. So ETN, Montgomery, and Josh Jacobs, if I can pull it off, those would probably be my big three in cash. We could have, though, Joe Mixon out, and that brings up Samaje Pirine to 6K, where he's more than viable. And again, Zonovan Knight, man, 4.6K. That is the single cheapest running back we could possibly get behind. It doesn't look like Michael Carter is going to be playing. And with Zonovan, I saw some people in the chat, which I always appreciate you guys tuning in with us live, you know, talking about Ty Johnson being the pivot. And I I think that's a fair call because if they fall behind in this game, then maybe it does turn to Ty Johnson on pass downs, reaping in those check downs. I mean, we saw it last season. There were games where Michael Carter and Ty Johnson were just 
just feasting on these checkdowns because the only two quarterbacks this season, I'm sorry, last two seasons with a checkdown rate of at least 10% are Mike White and Joe Flacco. So that's why, like last week, I honestly wasn't that high on Garrett Wilson, not because of the slot wide receiver, you know, matchups or anything like that. It was more so because I expected most of his passing game to flow through the running backs and Tyler Conklin in the more underneath areas of the field. So, yeah, I'll take the L on last week, but I do think moving forward, we could see a bit more of that. So I don't hate the Ty Johnson call. That said, Zonovan, he beat out James Robinson. Like, that happened before this Michael Carter injury even occurred. So at this point, not many men left standing in New York. Zonovan Knight in cash games. Like, what do you guys have as projected ownership, Brick? Because I'll be curious. It's currently low. The Blitz absolutely loves them. The Roto-Grinders projections, not so much. We'll have to see how it all shakes out by Sunday. So. Okay, it's all over the place. But if you do want to find, like, he is the cheapest running back you can get behind. If you, I, I prefer not to go down there again. I'm, you know, Etn Jacobs and Dave Montgomery, my preferred big three. But if you do, if you're trying to get up to Mahomes, trying to get up to Kelsey, I think Zonovan Knight is probably your guy to do so. All right. From a turnover perspective, a couple I was thinking of would maybe Austin Eckler, if he catches, you know, all 15 of his targets, that's uh that's quite a lot of PPR points on DraftKings. not really doing too much of them yards, but a lot of touchdown equity. And just the fact he's getting so many targets, uh, easy checkdowns to, to catch. He starts the week off with what eight, nine fantasy points, pretty much guaranteed. And then if he gets in the end zone, you don't really have to do too much more. Uh, to have an, an upside performance. And then the one guy I was thinking about, if Goff and we're going to talk about receiver, St. Brown specifically, are going to be very popular. Why not just go with a dude who gets three touchdowns every game? That's Jamal Williams. He's not going to catch any passes. So you need the, and he's not going to get, you know, 100 plus yards. So you really need the two touchdowns with, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards or something like that. He could certainly get there if one of these other, you know, if ETN fails or Montgomery fails, David Montgomery failing. Certainly possible, right? ETN, I think, is a little bit better. Uh, but there's ways for uh, Jamal Williams to get those two touchdowns. We've seen that plenty of times. Heck, even three. And if he gets the 60 yards, it could certainly work. Um, and he's a little swerve off of the ownership of St. Brown. And he's in the same price range as some of the other guys, not really carrying much ownership. Uh, just a little bit of thought I had. No, I think you're spot on because, like, if you look at it, if you just, you know, cross the names out and you look at the offensive environments and the projected workload, what's the big difference between Damian Pearson, Jamal Williams, and Cordero Patterson? And I'd even throw Gus Evers in there. Like, I would just say the Texans are a way worse offense than anything else those guys are playing in. So the fact that all this ownership is being concentrated on Damian Pierce, to your point, Jamal Williams, I mean, all the guys does is score touchdowns. And no, we aren't getting the pass down stuff. So we need two or three of them. He's capable of doing that Cordero Patterson Tyler Algier has been annoying in that system but again just $100 cheaper than Damian Pierce on DraftKings and another guy that we know is explosive enough to turn 15 plus carries into a lot I talked earlier about Gus Edwards against those Broncos so all good calls there keep an eye on Antonio Gibson if he's going to be out Brian Robinson suddenly gets pretty attractive at 5.3k the fact Latavius Murray continues to pop here like no Told you last week, don't want anything to do with it. And he busted like a 51-yard run last week, and it didn't matter because he's not going to get many catches, and he's not in an offense good enough to give him consistent scoring opportunities. 
Final other note here. Oh, yeah. Kyron Williams, man, 5.2K. Low-key, moving from Perkins to John Wolford is actually awesome for Kyron Williams' potential here down the stretch. All of a sudden now, we have a quarterback far less prone to running around and scrambling, which historically has been bad news for our fantasy running backs. We see that with the Bills, with the Eagles, you know, even with the Chiefs, where when you have quarterbacks that are willing to keep throwing downfield or scramble and then also factor into the equation near the goal line, usually they're pretty good offenses, but their running backs just can't hold up as well as we would prefer. So Kyron Williams, he's been back three straight games. His touches are on the up and up. His snaps are on the up and up. 70% snaps last week with, I believe, 15 combined carries and targets. So, hey, I don't think – I'm not putting Cam Akers on the level of like Stafford, Donald, or any of those guys, obviously. I don't think he's necessarily going to get shut down from that perspective. But – Clearly, there's been some stuff going on between him and the organization. I don't think it's impossible that we see McVay just say, F it, man, Kyron, you know, you're the full-time running back. Get out there however much you want. And then from that case, we're looking at a home back against the Seattle defense that has been terrible against opposing running backs this year. So a lot of good value in this 5K range, I think, and help you get up to guys like Mahomes and Kelsey. Uh, a couple things across my screen. While you were talking, I saw a report. Rams might play both quarterbacks this week, so I'll have to yeah. take that into, into account. That's better, and, though, than just Bryce starting. I mean, I'll yes. that. And I saw Antonio Gibson looks like he was back at practice today. I would probably expect him to play. He was back at practice. And I saw Justin Fields off the injury report. No designation. Looks like he's going to be, a, at least in theory, a full a full go here. Okay. So that's, I feel better about Dave Montgomery. Still have my concerns about Fields as a rusher. What's his, I'm guessing his salary isn't even that low. It's like 74. Man, but he's more expensive than Herbert. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, more banged up. Dropping 40 plus a week. I mean, he should, he should be up there, in my opinion. I think we're going to see 2020 Kyler when he was trying to play through a shoulder injury. And it's like, all right, hey, let's see what Justin Fields can do on five rush attempts per game. That's my concern. All right, let's go to wide receiver. A couple players I think everyone's going to be on this week, at least on DraftKings. Uh, one, Amon Ross St. Brown from the Lions. He's 7,100. Uh, PPR King. Uh, you get the matchup against the Jaguars. Looks very juicy as well in a dome. Uh, there's no TJ Hawkinson stealing those intermediate targets. Uh, DeAndre Swift, not a full-time player, stealing the checkdowns, which means he gets all the work. He looks very good. Uh, pick your Jaguars receiver opposite of him in that game. If you can get to Kirk, I mentioned I like him as a prop bet. Uh, like him in DFS. Uh, if you can't have the salary for him, you can default to Zay Jones, who also looks reasonably popular and has back-to-back -back huge target games. After that, you can get creative. You can go cheap. You can also go mid-tier, depending on who your quarterback or tight end are. Um, but I think that's where most people are going to fall. Uh, with St. Brown, pick a Jags receiver round it out from there. Um, my question to you is, who is the round that out from there? Do you have a couple players you might be interested in? I do think, uh, again, Sun God, Christian Kirk, those are probably my two locks in there. So probably not trying to get two Jags in there, although I am leaning towards Lawrence at QB. So Terry McLaurin is someone else that we continue to see. Dude's eighth in the NFL in receiving yards, yet he still has this sub 6K salary. Like just to see Terry behind guys like Devonta Smith, like even Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, I just think that he continues to be about $1,000 too cheap relative to his talent and upside if Haneke can ever get his head out of his ass for you know 60 straight minutes so not a guarantee on that point but i would say terry mclaurin continues to be uh someone in that mid 5k range that has you know sort of boom outcomes especially in tournaments we should be feeling good about moving on to those tournaments again man i'm 
I'm really loving how many guys we have in this five, six K range where we can pivot off more of the chalk and then hopefully still buy up elsewhere where we need to, because Donovan people's Jones at just 4.9 K. I mean, if we do want to dabble with that Browns offense a bit, DPJ could go ahead and be their new Will Fuller. I don't believe in Amari Cooper's, you know, home away splits, but it says there's a situation where Cooper is going to be the far more owned wide receiver. Wouldn't be shocked if we do see people's Jones actually just in a one game sample, be the more productive player talked a lot about this falcon steelers game already drake london at 4.7k i do think gives you not only nice exposure to a game that i do think could sneakily turn into a shootout of sorts against the league single worst secondary in ppr points per game allowed the position tj watts questionable i mean if there is gonna if you talk about just most important pass rushers that can change the identity of a defense losing him could be a big deal for the upside of the falcons and i still maintain drake london is good at football just haven't quite seen that boot yet so don't mind him or dpj Corey davis has a pivot off of garrett wilson also affordable and then finally uh mentioned brandon ayuk earlier and you know the reasons why i like his over so i think that's fair he probably will get a little chalkier if debo does wind up getting ruled out but even then just 6.1k for the number one receiver potentially in this matchup with the 49ers and dolphins could go a long way final note would be alan lazard at 5.4k so Christian Watson has been absolutely balling, but you look at the target totals going on there. They haven't been as overwhelming as you might expect. Now, DraftKings still a bit slow the party here, and Watson is priced underneath uh, what we're seeing with uh, Alan Lazard. So probably more so a factor of you know them playing on Sunday night, maybe before the prices uh, were actually, or after the prices were actually finalized for this week. But Alan Lazard, someone that had a pretty nice stretch of this season where he was scoring a touchdown or going for 100 yards in almost every game, again, don't respect this Bears defense at all. So when you're looking at the Packers side, where, again, a lot of the mismatched manifesto charts really showing good things for Green Bay. We know we have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Don't be afraid to take the other full-time wide receiver who just has been a little bit quieter here in recent weeks. Yeah, I'm going to throw in. I forgot Garrett Wilson is looking like the other cash wide receiver this week. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Was he 5,300 to not get the big price bump? I think he should have got this week. Uh, all right, let's go to tight end. Uh, if you can get Travis, like you can definitely get Travis Kelsey on your teams if you want this week. You might not be able to, you can't play Patrick Mahomes. You might not be able to play Josh Jacobs. But if you make a couple of concessions, you get Travis C. Um, he's 7,900. And I mean, to be able to get a secure like what 16 fantasy points at the tight end position with uh, like like they were just toying with the rams last week he still got the touchdown so he had a little bit of a down week but i mean he has the three touchdown we talked about jamal williams what other tight end is three touchdown upside it's yeah. travis kelsey mark Andrews george kittle yeah george kittle is definitely yeah. in, in, in the range of that too this week without Debo. so i like that one too um but that is still a very tall order to spend that amount of money so if we're going to the mid-tier, a couple guys, maybe you can help me sort this out. You got Pat Fryer moved a little bit disappointing last week, but you've talked about the passing game against Atlanta a couple times. You got Foster Moreau against the Chargers at 3,600. I think he got into the end zone a little bit. Kittle without Debo, if Debo is out, that looks pretty interesting at 5K, just a little bit of a step down from Kelsey and Andrews. Anyone else you're really looking at? You've got, you know, there's a couple 3K crappers you can throw into the mix too. Hunter Bryant is what 2,700. If you want to just absolutely go to the bottom of the the barrel with Watson at quarterback, just to take somebody who's going to be on the field most every snap for Cleveland against Houston, that seems reasonable. How are you handling it? 
I do think Harrison Bryant Hunter. Yeah, Har- yeah, Harrison. Bryant. Uh, we we actually, <laughs> unfortunately, so like I was, I, I remember actually the first week David and Joku was out. I was like pissed off that they were playing on Monday night because I wanted to get uh, behind Harrison Bryant. We didn't see quite as dominant of a role as we'd hoped for because Njoku, man, when he was out there, he was playing the 95, 100% snap role that I just assume would go to Harrison Bryant. He was end up being more of a 70% guy, and we saw that reflected with his route. So I do think Harrison Bryant is a little bit of a trap play potentially in cash. If you want to go throw dart in tournaments, that's fine, but I'd rather just spend an extra three, 400 bucks. I had to go up to Evan Ingram where we're getting off some of those chalky Jaguars wide receivers. Still someone running. I mean, I checked it yesterday, 80-90% of the routes on Trevor Lawrence dropbacks, which is the main metric we're looking for at tight end. Hasn't had a big boom yet this year, but I think just based on what we've seen, certainly not washed by any stretch of the imagination. And if T-Law is going to keep playing as well as he's playing, we're going to see full-time players eventually cash in. And then my guy, Tyler Conklin, who I've said about 20 times already on this podcast, just 3,100. And again, I think more weeks than not. Yes, Garrett Wilson had the nice game last week, but nobody else on that team had more than three targets. I think as Mike White gets more comfortable under center, we're going to see Conklin rise up and maybe not be the number two. But I do think, you know, looking here in the rest of the season with Mike White under center, uh, a top three pass game option here for the Jets in a game that maybe not going to be a shootout. But again, I am confident that Mike Mike White and company can't keep pace. So absolute lowest I'd be willing to go in cash would be probably down to Conklin at 3,100. I do agree with you, though. If there is a week to get up to Kelsey, probably this one. And no Debo, George Kittle, just 5K. We know he has the blowups. And, hey, man, these boomer bust players, kind of perfect when we're trying to just win a tournament. Yeah, um, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this week's show. I will not be here next week. Uh, I will be celebrating my uh, anniversary with my wife down Disney? in – Yep. Where else yeah. are these going? So, I mean, the, the son's name is Walt. We've committed to this pretty hard. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, I'll be down there. I'm not sure who will be on. Uh, you can check with our producers. I know they'll be uh, finding you a, a substitute. I'll make sure everyone is up to speed and hopefully they can bring uh, as much fire picks from the sports betting perspective. Uh, we'll miss, we'll we, miss you, Brent. We, we've been doing time. here. I'll be, I'll be back for week 15. I, I used to do the show. From vacation, right? But now that we have a baby, I think it's just a little bit too much. So I'm just taking the whole week off, giving the wife the family time, come back, recharged, and uh, have a good time. So I won't be here next week, uh, but Ian will. So uh, make sure to tune in next week uh, and uh, every day here for all the fun stuff here at Roto-Grinders. Go check out Ian's stuff over at Pro Football Focus. Uh, other than that, have a good week, everybody. For Ian, I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, and we out you. 